section forty of greece and rome this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world's story volume four greece and rome edited by eva march tappan section forty the contest between the horatii and the curiatii about six fifty b c by livy tullus hostilius the king who succeeded numa thought that his people would become dull and slow if they were always at peace therefore he seized upon the first excuse for a war it was not long before the romans and the men of alba longa were drawn up in opposing lines king tullus did not have a battle after all however for the alban leader reminded him that if they became weakened by warfare it would be an easy matter for their enemies to come down upon them and destroy both parties the plan which he suggested for settling their dispute is told in the following story the editor it happened that there were in each of the two armies three brothers born at one birth unequal neither in age nor in strength that they were called horatii and curiatii is certain enough nor is there any circumstance of antiquity more celebrated yet in a matter so well ascertained a doubt remains concerning their names to which nation the horatii and to which the curiatii belonged authors claim them for both sides yet i find more who call the horatii romans my inclination leads me to follow them the kings confer with the three brothers that they should fight with their swords each in defence of their respective country assuring them that dominion would be on that side on which victory should be no objection is made time and place are agreed on before they engage a compact is entered into between the romans and albans on these conditions that the state whose champions should come off victorious in that combat should rule the other state without further dispute different treaties are made on different terms but they are all concluded in the same general method we have heard that it was then concluded as follows nor is there a more ancient record of any treaty a herald asked king tullus thus do you command me o king to conclude a treaty with the pater patratus of the alban people after the king had given command he said i demand vervain of thee o king to which the king replied take some that is pure the herald brought a pure blade of grass from the citadel again he asked the king thus dost thou o king appoint me the royal delegate of the roman people the chiritis including my vessels and attendants the king answered that which may be done without detriment to me and to the roman people the chiritis i do the herald was marcus valerius who appointed spurius fusius pater patratus touching his head and hair with the vervain 
the pater patratus is appointed ad gesturandum patrandum that is to ratify the treaty and he goes through it in a great many words which being expressed in a long set form is not worth while repeating after setting forth the conditions he says here o jupiter here o pater patratus of the alban people and ye alban people here as those conditions from first to last have been recited openly from those tablets of wax without wicked fraud and as they have been most correctly understood here this day from those conditions the roman people will not be the first to swerve if they first swerve by public concert by wicked fraud on that day do thou o jupiter so strike the roman people as i shall hear this day strike this swine and do thou strike them so much the more as thou art more able and more powerful when he said this he struck the swine with a flint stone the albans likewise went through their own form and oath by their own dictator and priests the treaty being concluded the three brothers on each side as had been agreed take arms whilst their respective friends exhortingly reminded each party that their country's gods their country and parents all their countrymen at home and in the army had their eyes then fixed on their arms on their hands naturally brave and animated by the exhortations of their friend they advance into the midst between the two lines the two armies sat down before their respective camps free rather from present danger than from anxiety for the sovereign power was at stake depending on the valour and fortune of so few accordingly therefore eager and anxious they have their attention intensely riveted on a spectacle far from pleasing the signal is given and the three youths on each side as if in battle array rush to the charge with determined fury bearing in their breasts the spirits of mighty armies nor do the one or the other regard their personal danger the public dominion or slavery is present to their mind and the fortune of their country which was ever after destined to be such as they should now establish it as soon as their arms clashed on the first encounter and their burnished swords glittered great horror strikes the spectators and hope inclining to neither side their voice and breath were suspended then having engaged hand to hand when not only the movements of their bodies and the rapid brandishings of their arms and weapons but wounds also and blood were seen two of the romans fell lifeless one upon the other the three albans being wounded and when the alban army raised a shout of joy at their fall hope entirely anxiety however not yet deserted the roman legions alarmed for the lot of the one whom the three surrounded he happened to be unhurt so that though alone he was by no means a match for them all together 
yet he was confident against each singly in order therefore to separate their attack he takes to flight presuming that they would pursue him with such swiftness as the wounded state of his body would suffer each he had now fled a considerable distance from the place where they had fought when looking back he perceives them pursuing him at great intervals from each other and that one of them was not far from him on him he turned round with great fury and whilst the alban army shouts out to the curiatii to succour their brother horatius victorious in having slain his antagonist was now proceeding to a second attack then the romans encouraged their champion with a shout such as is usually given by persons cheering in consequence of unexpected success he also hastens to put an end to the combat wherefore before the other who was not far off could come up he dispatches the second curiatius also and now the combat being brought to an equality of numbers one on each side remained but they were equal neither in hope nor in strength the one his body untouched by a weapon a double victory made courageous for a third contest the other dragging along his body exhausted from the wound exhausted from running and dispirited by the slaughter of his brethren before his eyes presents himself to his victorious antagonist nor was that a fight the roman exulting says two i have offered to the shades of my brothers the third i will offer to the cause of this war that the roman may rule over the alban he thrusts his sword down into his throat whilst faintly sustaining the weight of his armour he strips him as he lies prostrate the romans receive horatius with triumph and congratulation with so much the greater joy as success had followed so close on fear they then turn to the burial of their friends with dispositions by no means alike for the one side was elated with the acquisition of empire the other subjected to foreign jurisdiction their sepulchres are still extant in the place where each fell the two roman ones in one place nearer to alba the three alban ones towards rome but distant in situation from each other and just as they fought before they parted from thence when metis in conformity to the treaty which had been concluded asked what orders he had to give tullus ordered him to keep the youth in arms that he designed to employ them if a war should break out with the Vientis. after this both armies returned to their homes horatius marched foremost carrying before him the spoils of the three brothers his sister a maiden who had been betrothed to one of the curiatii met him before the gate capena and having recognized her lover's military robe which she herself had wrought on her brother's shoulders she tore her hair and with bitter wailings called by name on her deceased lover the sister's lamentations in the midst of his 
own victory and of such great public rejoicings raised the indignation of the excited youth having therefore drawn his sword he ran the damsel through the body at the same time chiding her in these words go hence with thy unseasonable love to thy spouse forgetful of thy dead brothers and of him who survives forgetful of thy native country so perish every roman woman who shall mourn an enemy this action seemed shocking to the fathers and to the people but his recent services outweighed its guilt nevertheless he was carried before the king for judgment the king that he might not be the author of a decision so melancholy and so disagreeable to the people or of the punishment consequent on that decision having summoned an assembly of the people said i appoint according to law doombeers to pass sentence on horatius for treason the law was of dreadful import let the doombeers pass sentence for treason if he shall appeal from the doombeers let him contend by appeal if they shall gain the cause cover his head hang him by a rope from a gallows scourge him either within the pomerium or without the pomerium when the doombeers appointed by this law who did not consider that according to the law they could acquit even an innocent person had found him guilty one of them said publius horatius i judge thee guilty of treason go lictor bind his hands the lictor had approached him and was fixing the rope then horatius by the advice of tullus a favourable interpreter of the law says i appeal accordingly the matter was contested by appeal to the people on that trial persons were much affected especially by publius horatius the father declaring that he considered his daughter deservedly slain were it not so that he would by his authority as a father have inflicted punishment on his son he then entreated that they would not render childless him whom but a little while ago they had beheld with a fine progeny during these words the old man having embraced the youth pointing to the spoils of the curiatii fixed up in that place which is now called pila horatia romans said he can you bear to see bound beneath a gallows amidst scourges and tortures him whom you just now beheld marching decorated with spoils and exulting in victory a sight so shocking as the eyes even of the albans could scarcely endure go lictor bind those hands which but a little while since being armed established sovereignty for the roman people go cover the head of the liberator of this city hang him on the gallows scourge him either within the pomerium so it be only amid those javelins and spoils of the enemy or without the pomerium only amid the graves of the curiatii for whither can you bring this youth where his own glories must not redeem him 
from such ignominy of punishment the people could not withstand the tears of the father or the resolution of the son so undaunted in every danger and acquitted him more through admiration of his bravery than for the justice of his cause but that so notorious a murder might be atoned for by some expiation the father was commanded to make satisfaction for the son at the public charge he having offered certain expiatory sacrifices which were ever after continued in the horatian family and laid a beam across the street made his son pass under it as under a yoke with his head covered this remains even to this day being constantly repaired at the expense of the public they call it sororium tigillum a tomb of square stone was erected to horatia in the place where she was stabbed and fell end of section forty this recording is in the public domain